0: On this episode of AV Week, we talk about PoE speakers, look at 24 7 AV support, and wallpaper OLED. All that and more. Next on AV Week. The
1: network for the AV industry.
2: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This This is AV Nation.
0: Nation.
3: This is AV Nation.
0: AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper, and by Crestron. This is AV Week, episode 293, recorded Friday, April 7th, 2017. Godot-led. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tom Albright. I am your host. With us to talk about that, first and foremost, the left-hand side of my brain, a fine New Yorker. And God bless, American. How are you, Mr. Tucker?
3: <laughs> what an introduction! I well, should have yeah. eagles and fireworks going over behind my head. Fireworks out of your butt. If I knew, yeah. Well, that that happens normally. Yes, this is true. How are you? Glad to be on.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> George is a is a is a longtime av professional. He's worked for everybody under the sun, um, and uh, and was we were doing what this week? The uh, intercom systems. So in yes. in the South Bronx or something like that.
3: Uh, Yes, Midwood Flushing, Midwood, Midwood, yes. So Uh, everywhere from lowbrow to (laughs) highbrow. Also
0: with us is the editor-in-chief of Aviation, also a fine consultant. (laughs) His name is Josh Strago. How are you, sir?
1: I'm still the editor-in-chief.
0: I thought we changed that. Okay, so you're the editor. I don't know what you are. You do stuff with us.
1: I don't know. I do things. I'm doing great. You're also Uh, on the
0: CTS steering committee.
1: I am on the CTS steering committee. I'm also speaking at the Almo E4 trade show in San Jose on April 19th regarding IoT security and uh, analytics. And then of course I you know have that day job thing, working for TCOM, being a consultant and helping people design sophisticated and integrated technology <clears> systems <throat> unified on a network platform.
0: Very cool, yeah. Uh, and last but not least, one of the smartest guys that I know uh, in the, in the business. Uh, he's a programmer, and um, guys, if you want to check it out, uh, we talked with Paul at ISC this year and, and had a really good conversation about all things and talked about how the, the origins of Aurora Multimedia. So, Paul Harris from Aurora Multimedia, welcome, sir. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely, sir. Thanks for thanks for stopping by. Uh, let's kick this off, guys, and and, and start. Not for nothing, uh, one of our, our friends and pals in, in, in the in the media side of this is, is Commercial Integrator. Uh, they had an interesting piece this week about, and I'm bringing up the wrong story already. It's been that kind of day, gentlemen. Um, talking about Mechadyne, and Mechadyne's doing 24-7 IT support uh, through ABS. But what I kind of really wanted to talk about on this was getting this type of support, and, and Shrega, I want to start with you simply because you've done a lot of... of Consulting and you've 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 helped commission and help put together a bunch of systems uh, here recently That have a lot of moving parts But what they're doing is Megadine is helping with this 24 7 IT like support for AV And and granted this is the first time I've heard of this so my question is is This smart and how do we make this more? prevalent throughout the industry if it is smart
1: so the funny part about that is right after you and i were hanging out in chicago for the elmo e4 show out there Mm -hmm. i got an email from the editor-in-chief at commercial integrator tom leblanc asking me hey you were talking about these things who's doing this and my answer was I know a handful of companies that are trying to do this, but I don't know anybody that's been able to sell it. And then Mechdyne goes and buys, yes. And it was, okay, we have another one in the in the group, which is they're trying to do uh, analytics, they're trying to do call center, they're trying to do this globalization and localization of this uh, technology and this, this information so that way they can provide more instantaneous and more responsive support. And that's really what this comes down to is, this is another version of doing a building management system, but on a client-wide basis. So that way they're effectively AV integrators can move to having a knock where they're able to overview all of their clients and doing it 24 seven, just means that they're providing something that maybe other people are stopping nine to five or you have to jump regions. So it's as this office shuts down, the next office picks up. And that's that, That's the way that they're they're dealing with it. But with all of these systems going it and having a single centralized twenty four seven support for their clients, now uh, how they're managing that for worldwide? Because I know Mechdyne does projects yeah. all over the place. Uh, that gets to be a little bit more interesting as to how they're going to offer it. But if it's twenty four seven, you know, it's just a matter of getting that network connection, getting that network feed, and 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 utilizing that to do so. This is a driving factor. Yes, it's smart. Yes, it's the next direction that we need to go. It's this, this is how AV as a service is going to happen and going to be successful, is that we need to be able to offer this kind of support as you mm. globalize. So it's that tying together of having multiple clients around the globe, having multiple clients in multiple time zones, and being able to support them as you put things on a network. If you don't have all those pieces in place, you're still rolling trucks and you're doing it in – a early tw- or 21st century mentality without moving forward into the best way to support them based on the devices that are currently available.
0: All right, George, I want to bring you on this because George has been, I was somewhat giving him a hard time about him being a longtime AV professional. He has worked in, in several different positions here. He's worked for manufacturing, he's worked for staging, and now he works for an integrator. How do you sell this? And understand what I'm, what I'm asking here. How do you sell this service to not to it because it gets this right I, this is kind of their, their their bread and butter but how do you sell this to the integrator to say this is a good idea this is you know we've been talking about services for a number of years here's another one that you can that you can kind of put in your in your bag of tricks
3: oh, well first of all it's 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 money in the bank because you've got somebody paying you a service fee to be there when they need them and again the 80 20 rule probably comes into effect here right? You know, it's probably 20% of your clients who take up 80% of your time and cause issues. Uh, But this is a growing factor. This means that, I guess what I mean by that is that once you establish a good relationship with that client and able to solve their problems on a regular basis and take off their hands, the need, the worry, and the other expense of keeping people on staff to do that kind of stuff, then they would be happy to offload that to you. At least that's, in principle, what you're looking to do. You satisfy all of their needs. They get to reduce the in-house or on-site people, and you take over that. Plus, once they get confidence in you, that means they've done a good job there. Let's do more jobs. Let's do more installs. They can They can, They can. can do this. Paul, from the manufacturing
0: side, and one of the things that, again, Paul's a much smarter programmer than I ever was, um part of this that makes this work is is the the communication that you get from your (laughs) devices right what can you do from a manufacturer standpoint to help not necessarily help mech dining although congratulations to them for having this this foresight but to help the integrators put things like this into place right put 24 7 monitoring and support into place
2: well from a manufacturer standpoint i've always been about standards and as far as uh you know, doing things that complement each other. The hardest part that you find that, you, that history has proven itself is no one wants to get along with each other. What really needs to happen is you need to come up with a standard that everybody's going to follow, whether they like it or not, That so that when you create the support system, you can make a very simplified software that's able to use the same common commands and the same, uh, just the protocols that allow you to get that information out, whether it's temperature of a device, whether it's what input it's on, it doesn't have to. We don't have to have a thousand different protocols. You really only do need one protocol. And yeah, in some ways, I'm going to give a little bit of a plug to SDVOE, uh, but uh, they, they kind of have the right idea where they want to try to create um, a common uh, common protocol for at least 10 gig devices. I wish somebody would expand that even beyond that. That it's not just about uh, IT. It's about just any type of device that has an IP port, not just specific to streaming. Uh, where it's about getting data back and getting statuses and things like that, that it doesn't necessarily have to operate the device, but at least it's to tell you what's going on in the world. Um, the problem that you find is there are certain companies out there that want you to buy just their solution and their solution only, and that makes it proprietary. And once you, to keep that hold on people, you really need a proprietary protocol, and that cuts everybody out of it unless you buy their software and their solutions. Um, that's how they some companies make their money. But no, it, it would better the industry if everybody would uh, go with a standardized protocol that everybody could just follow and life would be a lot easier.
0: Let me, let me make sure that I understand what you're saying. A standardized protocol for control.
2: Pretty much for everything. It would really be nice. I mean, we're really, if you think about it, we're really doing the same thing over and over again. I'm going to HDMI input one. I'm going to HDMI input two. I want the status of what port I'm on. I want to know if there's something plugged into this port, I want to know what the temperature is. We're, we're always doing the same thing, whether it's an IT device or that uh, IT-based you know, EV over IP, or whether it's a matrix search. At the end of the day, it's, it becomes repetitive. The only difference is the way you're sending the information from point A to point B. So if you really think about it, you can't standardize protocols. It is very possible, just no one wants to, and that's part of the problem.
0: Okay, so here's the magic question and you know not for nothing. I have a manufacturer I have a consultant and I have an integrator on the on the phone here or on the line I don't I don't necessarily agree with you Paul that nobody wants to I want to (laughs) And understand where I'm coming from I'm a former tech manager every tech manager. I know wants to Um, I, I live in the state of Illinois the college. I worked for was in the state of Illinois if you if you don't follow state level politics, let me give you a short primer. The state of Illinois sucks when it comes to budgets. Um, and and I'm, Josh is in California, and, and he can he and I can probably commiserate, you know, back and forth on who's worse. But you know, I, I think for the fourth or fifth year in a row, we still don't have a budget. Right? They're just you know writing checks sometimes. So we were in a position from a, a college standpoint where we some years we had. A lot some years we had nothing and if you standardize the wrong word but if you if you settle on one manufacturer for your systems in a classroom that means that some years you can do a hundred and some years you can do two if you had a standard on control then you could use anybody's you wanted from a year-to-year basis and everybody could talk to each other
2: i you know i i I, yes, I, I'm too bored of a statement to say that you nope. know nobody wants it. What I meant by nobody wants it is, is more of the manufacturers.
3: Okay.
2: They, you got to realize the industry has changed, and we've talked about this before, where back in the day, we're going to go back in the day, life was simple. Control system companies were control system companies, scalar companies were scalar companies. Everybody had their expertise and they did what they did and they did it very well. Uh, for that particular product. Then somewhere along the line, everybody wanted to be everything to everybody. And when that happens, and when you're trying to find new ways of making revenue, it's to their disadvantage to give away the keys to the kingdom. And the way they hold you hostage is by taking away the interoperability with other products. So that way you have to buy their solution, their software, their systems. And when certain companies out there are relying on that type of an ecosystem to make their money, that's when you become in- that's when you have these problems of standardizations, because yeah. it's not in their best interest to standardize, because of that's how they make their money. It's to their advantage. I mean, not that I'm guilty of it because I, I I do I do open up and make myself mm. a proprietary, but I do make end-to-end solutions. Of course, as a manufacturer, sure, I want I want somebody to buy my product from point A to point you know C and, and get everything in between that I can possibly get. That's how we make our money. Um, I prefer they don't buy brand X Y Z over mine in between. Um, and, and that's a whole other topic where things just don't always work together well and liabilities. And that, that's a whole other day for a whole other conversation. But when it comes to why is it so difficult, it, it's trying to get everybody to be on the same page at the same time. History has proven in our own industry. It never goes that way. Better technologies that deserve to have been in the forefront end up going to the back. The, the famous VCR beta war. We ended up with VCR. There's a reason for it. you know. Um, it's the history, it's the nature of the beast. Popularity wins, not better technologies.
0: All right. And, and that's, that, that actually is a really good analogy. Um, well, that, the, go there's ahead. a
1: great irony involved in that though. Yes. And, and that's the fact that a lot of this, we want to own the entire ecosystem came from looking at how the IT world was managing enterprise solutions. They looked Cisco being the prime example of this. They want Cisco switches. Oh, well, if we're selling the switch, let's sell them the phone. Oh, if we're selling in the switch of the phone, let's sell them this. P the enterprise solutions wanted a sole source idea of that. And a lot of people in the AV industry, a lot of manufacturers in the AV industry said, Well, if they're doing that, why can't we? And closing their door, and they they haven't fully closed their doors to interoperability, but it has created that weird uh dichotomy of people that want this open source and want this open platform and you know you're you're currently looking at it in terms of network protocol and transmission uh the perfect example is Dante AVB and a lot of people think that these are competing technologies and in reality they're not they're doing two very very different things and one is isolated into its own bubble and one is an open source platform that can be used across all technologies so it it creates this uh th- this interesting world where the manufacturers got that idea that hey if we can we can sole source everything why wouldn't we go after that but that uh, but again it goes always goes back to the long standing statement on this show and amongst a lot of people that come on this show which is just because you can make uh everything doesn't mean you make everything great
0: yeah just because you can doesn't mean you should <laughs> yeah right. i agree yeah. with that Let's, let's move on and let's give... Uh, I don't know that Paul needs to do this. I'm just putting that out there. But let's let's ask a question from our old buddy, uh, Joey D'Angelo. Joey writes uh, in SCN and AVNetwork.com, POE loudspeakers, wherefore art thou? Um, and he goes on and he's talking about Dante, AEA 67. He's talking about you know the fact that I'll, I'll bring in, and Joey doesn't mention this, but I'll bring in AVB as well. You've got speakers that have network ports and have networked audio inputs. Why the heck can't you put power down them? And and not that I, I am, we're gonna have a couple conversations about this. But, you know, again, I, I somewhat focused on it, Paul. I don't know if he has a, a speaker on the line. He may, I, I couldn't, I don't know. Um, but we'll, we'll t- tackle him in a second. But George, you, again, you've come from different different areas. What is it about POE speakers that either makes it inherently not profitable or just not palatable to some people?
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, profitable, come on. I mean, if if I can run a single wire with backup (laughs) to each speaker and it can do what I need it to do, that's a no-brainer. That makes my job easier and I can charge the same amount of money and I rock and roll, right? Cat six, run it, done. But there is... Your res- the resistance there is, of course, it's not what we've always done. It's not high-quality audio. It's not speakers, right? I mean, where we- first of all, where are we getting the power for that? Yes, it comes over Poe. Yes, that. But how do we deliver that power? So you have to make a different speaker for that, no? So that it amplifies what's going on. And then do we get the fidelity we want? So in the example that, that, um, that Joey was giving... And when we were talking about, well, who was the guy that, that commented? Um, uh, Jonathan Ivey commented yeah. and said, you know, well, it's already happening. We've made them for years and we use them in the Cisco systems and blah, 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 and all that. And that's great. But he says for huddle rooms and conferences, which is really not fidelity, right? You're talking about voice and telephony type frequency ranges. Will the high-end client end installer really accept a PoE over the Cat6 delivery? They should. I mean, Dante does it for a lot of live event stuff and we rely on it there. But I don't know, crossing that bridge to a high end, it might be more perception than really the like, actuality. Yeah. And let me, two things real quickly. Uh,
0: John and, and Atlas IED is, is an underwriter of ours. Before I say what I'm going to say, they do that. Right. They, they have those types of speakers. Um, and where I was going and, and the way I was reading it and, and knowing Joey, I was thinking more along the line of live staging and events right um you, you look at at you know the arrays that, that people are putting into stadiums and put, put into madison square gardens and you know bush stadium here in in st louis those were the types that i was looking at not necessarily huddle rooms or uh or airport type uh, installations because they have been doing those for years mr paul um more, more than one manufacturer has told me that y'all are con- coin operated uh and we just talked about a, a point-to-point solution. I'm not asking you to make a POE speaker by any stretch of the imagination. But from the manufacturer standpoint, how do you develop and how do you look at a market or look like a, look at a product and go, you know what, that kind of makes sense for us. We th- We think we can make money on it. We think there's a market there. Or we don't think there is one.
2: Okay, so actually this is, this topic is right up my alley because I have investigated into making a PoE speaker. As a matter of fact, I am going to be releasing a Dante PoE++ uh, plus plus amplifier that's capable of up to 60 watts of the PoE++ plus plus standard uh, to drive it. So now you think, well, why don't I stick that in a speaker can and call it a day and then do independent runs? Cost. People don't want to pay the money for speakers of all things. I mean, if you look at your typical speaker uh, without a transformer, they're cheap as anything, these round speakers, okay? Now, picture then having to take a POE, um, what they call the, the PD part of it, which is to take that power and turn it into something usable for the speaker to drive its amplifier circuit. So that means for every individual speaker, you are going to need a POE circuit you're going to need a, um, uh, some, possibly, a pro, well, most likely a processor, because now that you've powered it, you now got to deliver the audio. So that means now you need a Dante chip. Um, then you need uh, some type of uh, another audio chip. You get the idea. You got to make a circuit. Mm-hmm. And this circuit's going to cost more than that speaker is worth. And then, well, we need to make money. So you got to multiply that. So what ends up happening is you end up paying over a, well over $100 per speaker, is what's gonna end up happening. Now, take an external box, for example. I still have only one PoE circuit. I have only one audio processor circuit. I still have only one Dante chip, but I can drive possibly four speakers with it. So now you're talking about, I could buy four cheap speakers, hook them up to this box that you can maybe put up in the ceiling or land somewhere, process all the audio independently to wherever it needs to go, for a fourth of doing it independently. And that's the bigger issue is it fiscally doesn't make sense. Uh, That is the issue. It's so much cheaper to isolate the power and the capability into a single unit rather than trying to diversify it into many different units. It's not to say that we can't hit the price point someday, but no matter how you look at it, there is a cost associated with those circuitries and you're multiplying it you gain redundancy out of it and also don't forget you're chewing up four ports on a switch that costs money too as opposed to eating up one port on a network switch network ports cost money and every time you eat up another port you're eating up another another certain amount of dollars on it
0: yeah absolutely all right mr strago from the consultant side of this um why why don't we i mean yes we've already talked about some of them that are out there but from a a a grander standpoint and and paul mentioned you know some of the issues from the manufacturing side from the consulting side why don't you see more of these because they
1: are not a viable solution outside of a single room period uh why george's to george's point um, to do it his way of saying, oh, well, I can just run one and I can daisy-chain it. Okay, great, but PoE has a limited power capacity, which only gives me the ability to go up to four speakers, and which goes back to Paul's point, which is that I need a converter and I need an amplifier on top of that in a rack. Okay, so there's two boxes plus four speakers versus a 400 300 dollars amplifier that plus four speakers and, I don't know, $25 of 18.2. It it's just not a viable solution. You get into trying to so try think about it in terms of a widespread application like um, I'm going to use a hospital as an example, just because you have paging throughout this entire building as opposed to daisy chaining speakers and doing independent zones for voice lift and in, or for paging solutions and ter- um, ambient noise sensing, I'm now gonna run an independent cat five or cat six or whatever the requirement for the cable may be to thousands of speakers. Think of the labor cost alone to run that much cable versus daisy chain. Oh, you can daisy chain category cable. To up to four because of the issue okay. that you don't have the ports on the speakers and you have limited, limited so amplifiers can do it but there,
0: there are limitations
1: a to it thousand watt 70 volt amplifier and i can run it a thousand feet and not have a problem yeah that's true but now you want me to run for one cat four, one category cable to one speaker and daisy chain up to three more and that's supposed to be an equivalent it's just not i mean there's power limitations on poe poe plus or PoE, even poe plus plus Running a PoE++ amplifier, that's clever, Um, but at the same time, what's the cost of a PoE++ amplifier versus an analog amplifier, and how many speakers am I going to run on 60 watts versus how many speakers uh, am I going to run, and doing the cost analysis between those two. When it comes to it, and you talk about enterprise solution, you talk about widely deployed solutions, you're you're not talking about a, a cost competitive thing yet. Um, in single standalone solutions where maybe you have a meeting room, uh, take a college campus that's doing construction, for example, and you have portable rooms on campus. Well, you don't want to, maybe you don't want to deploy permanent solutions and maybe you're going to be able to repurpose those later. That's a nice little option because then maybe I can send one category cable out there to drive the room and then repurpose it when the room is finished. That's a really nice way to do it because it makes it a lot easier to move over because it's just at that point standardized cabling uh, utilizing category for whatever grade you require. But again, looking at it as single loan room solutions that aren't necessarily connected to the rest of the system.
2: By the way, Tim, I want to add something to that. And and I I do totally agree with Josh on his point of view. Uh, It really is meant more for it work great in a a conference room where you isolate each room from each other. And you can even broadcast into those. And that's where it would make sense is that total digital to to digital end solution where you don't go into the analog and de-embed and feed it back in. But there is a way to actually make a PUE speaker successful. And this goes into another thing, which I call necessity versus nicety. And the the analogy I always love to give is my cell phone, which is um, Mm -hmm. simply put, do you you all carry a camera with you? Uh, Do you all carry a gaming system with you? Do you all carry uh, a PDA with you? Uh, You all do. But it's really, if you didn't have your cell phone, would you carry any of those devices around with you all the time? And the answer is no. So at the end of the day, you have a cell phone, and that's the necessity, you bought that particular brand cell phone because of all the niceties that it gave you as a bonus. And the PoE speaker is no different. I'm probably helping some competitor out there come up with a great idea right now. But if you, you want to know how you make a PoE successful for a speaker, you add a Wi-Fi hot point into it. You do something that people actually need within reason that says, Oh, you know what? I'm already building a circuit for this. If I throw a few more dollars and chips in here, now I got something that I need a Wi-Fi hot point anyway. And look, it just happens to have a speaker in it or something else. And now you're turning something that is a nicety into a, you're, you're, you're grouping it with a necessity to justify why you're doing the Wi-Fi.
1: Do, 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 please manufacturers do not do that until you figure out how to actually secure a damn product. <laughs> are you so,
0: saying that some AV products are insecure, Shrego? I'm saying all AV products are oh, insecure. not all. No, nah, not all. All right, last story here. You guys get to make fun of me again. Um, I I know that I've said on this program more than once, I've written about it, I've been waiting for OLED for a number of years. I'm not saying that this is AV, this is, this is OLED, brand new, come again by any stretch of the imagination. However, I was at Digital Signage Expo last week with the LG product. This is from Digital Signage uh, Expo from last week. LG uh, released their LG Signature OLED W7 TVs. Oh, my goodness. They're calling it, this, this article calls it the wallpaper commercial display. Okay. Uh, it, not quite wallpaper, but it's darn close. Um, Paul, the reason I want to start with you on this, because Paul has a, a number of products that sends uh, HD video, actually 4K video over, over, um, over the network. Displays like this, as they're getting thinner, they refer to it as wallpaper. How are you connecting to that, sir? Because you know the, the the reason that they're selling it that way is because oh my gosh it's thin. Well, let's be honest here. If it's if it's wallpaper, if it's you know less than a half an inch, you you're gonna have some connectivity issues.
2: Well, you still need drive circuitry to go back to a box. Um, It's actually not new. I mean, when when you looked at the first OLEDs that weren't wallpaper thin, uh, they were making it so thin against the wall, you couldn't fit any practical circuitry or power circuit in there. So what they did was they made an external set-top box, in essence, which you would remotely power the actual screen itself, and they separated the screen from the guts and the glory of what it actually does. Um, You know, the industry itself doesn't really fully always know what it wants to do yet. I mean, look at the curved screen. Everybody for years hmm. bought to have a flat screen up against the wall, and then the industry tries to convince everybody that if we have a curved screen, it's going to make everything better. Granted, for the one single viewer looking at that screen in the very, very center, it may have a great appeal to it, but now you got this thing, you know, skewing, skewing away from the wall.
3: Um, but this, but it's, 3D, well, Paul. But 3D, that's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, know, that, was, that was successful.
2: So it's,
3: but, people, but this is 3D. It comes right <laughs> out at you.
2: But people get people get hung up on novelty sometimes. Now, the wallpaper, I, I do think it's going to have uh, great practical applications that people haven't seen before. Uh, you're going to get some new types of digital signage out of it. But I also think some people forget there's digital signage is a very simple animal. There's really only two rules to digital signage. Do something that no one's ever done before and get the message through in a few seconds before you lose their attention. And that's really it. And part of the problem is if you take away the novelty, Sometimes you lose the appeal of why people look at things to begin with. So uh, look at video walls. Eventually, if you take away the borders, is it really a video wall anymore? Is it one big screen? And why do people look at video walls to begin with? Because it looks cool originally when they were CRTs, kind of look cool having a bunch of CRT monitors that made one big image, even though it had this huge.
0: Okay, just for the record, a, a big ginormous video wall made out of CRTs is still cool.
2: It is, and, but that's the novelty of it. is Is it was different. It, it drew attention because it was something that just it didn't make sense, but somehow it worked. And sometimes when you make things too good, you're not getting across the novelty. To to I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, now you got this better view angle. You got this better image. Well, how's it any different than, than an LED board? It, it it loses a little bit of novelty, and it's just another advertisement, you know, platform. That yes, it solves problems. It's thinner, lower heat. Uh, better viewing angles no doubt about it it has a tremendous amount of benefits of it but you got to be careful also at the same point with the whole point of what digital signage is which is you got to do something different with it in order to draw people's attention to it or it becomes another billboard
0: all right bad, good valid point mr tucker here are we are we entering an era where mm-hmm. where oled is finally coming into its own or am i just getting overexcited excited about nothing yes okay thank
3: you uh <laughs> the answer to that is yes yes sir um well and to paul's point it is a billboard that's what it is intended for i think this is you know despite everything that paul said i'm still waiting for the way they describe that on this press release i'm waiting for them to announce the fast fold screen version of this razor or thin the video pull down ball. screen version well i don't know about the pull because fast fold you can move around and put into place oh, okay, yeah. fa- you know pull down you have to you know install Uh, That's what I'm sort of visioning here, though, is that this is going to lead to that, hey, 30 minutes or less, you can have a, you know, enter Gargantuan side video wall spec here. You know, and and do it for this much money, you know, no fuss, no muss. Uh, What I haven't seen, though, on these about video wall is I suppose they must be able to color match and do all the things that they say they can do. But like we've learned from the Chinese LED uh, screen stuff, that doesn't mean you'll get a color match from lot to lot, and there's no way to accommodate that. Which is why when you go to the sort of more better known European U.S. manufacturers, you can. Uh, so that that extra cost is worth it. That's one of the concerns I have with it. Is all right? Is it a one-off? Can I put up a video wall. If I have to replace a piece, are they going to look the same? Maybe it's in the processing. Maybe there's something there, but nobody's mentioning it, which always concerns me, especially when they're press releasing at a show such as that. Uh, That being said, razor thin, flop it on a wall, man, oh man, does that look pretty. And something you can sell a client, boy, is that sexy.
0: Well, that's where we're going next is is Mm from Mr. Strago here. Uh, Josh, You can either rip me apart or you can you can validate my my love of oled But as a consultant when you're looking at things like this and yes, it's a press release But i'm here to tell you on again. It's show floor stuff. I understand you know the the measure of of vaporware that's out there Is this something that gets you excited when you look at, at a possible installation? or Are you still waiting for something else? I nearly installed the very first video wall of these very cool
1: Uh, I had an application, which I'm actually back-checking today, um, where we were in a very difficult architectural situation. And LG showed these in a specific Bay Area show. And I sat there for half an hour going, okay, but if I do this and then I do that with their engineers, trying to figure out how to make this work. And the idea at the time had been to have a freestanding wall with two by twos on either side. And we looked at this and went, holy crap, we don't need to deal with infrastructure. We don't need to deal with like, this This removes it. We just move all the boxes down below and run the con, this would work. Like we found this, and then we ended up changing, the architecture ended up changing the freestanding wall went away. So yeah, this kind of thing does get me excited because it solves architectural conflict issues for me. Hmm. And that's the biggest thing is we run into these problems where how do you mount something on a shear wall? Well, if I can run the cabling through something down below or if I can embed it in a small box or a rack beneath the display or something, or how do I deal with a firewall? Well, I'm not penetrating a firewall because this is a display that can literally be hung with magnets. Magnets. And there was all these things that it was like, this this solves so many problems now all I need it to do is not cost five times as much as a normal display. There is and that. that, yeah. There, there is that. Is the fact that it is not cheap. I mean, five may be exaggerating. I don't, I don't have pricing on this, so I'm speaking hypothetically. But it is that idea that if you can drop that cost, this is the kind of thing that starts solving these architectural problems where previously our only option was okay we either have to fur out the wall and embed these displays in it or you're going with projection and then you have to find a way to hide the projectors in the ceiling to do these architectural instances and this basically removes that from it and says well now you're going to get a video wall and now we just have to figure out how we can run these cables from this location to where it needs to go and so it it solves problems for me and that's the biggest point of it that i saw as exciting oled eh, okay, it's coming, it's not coming, it's coming, it's not coming. I'm sure at some point it'll stop being Godot, but <laughs> the, the, the idea being that this solved actual real world problems, that's what got me excited. Yeah,
3: all right. Uh, I have a question for you, Josh. Do you know what the bend radius on that thing is? Like how, how severe can I solve my architectural problems with a bend?
1: Uh, it is still a solid piece of glass, so if I recall correctly, it doesn't really have any bin, bin radius, or I may be thinking about a
0: different product. Um, hmm. The, the OLED has always been shown now, as thing, this I, thing you can roll up, and yeah, I, I did not have a, a, a protractor or a compass with me uh, on the show floor of DSC. However, what do I keep reminding you I know, of? I know I should always keep mm-hmm. going, although the TSA keeps taking mine. Um, looking at it, just you know, b- eyeballing it it looked about 25 to 30 degrees because it had this nice little wave going on in it.
1: And they do have the solutions. I mean, they
0: have the S
1: wall that they do at LG, I believe it is um, where it just waves back and forth and they, they do have curved displays that have that kind of flexibility. Um, So I may be thinking about a different product, but that's again, where these solutions, again, they solve problems.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much, Mr.
3: Tucker. How do people get a hold of you if they want to do so? If it's social media at Tucker2s, I write for various publications and of course here on AB Nation. All right, very good. Mr. Shrego, how do they get a hold of you, sir?
1: At J S R A G O on the Twitter, uh LinkedIn, Josh Shrego, Tcom, which is T-E-E-C-O-M dot com. Uh and of course, if you're going to be in the Bay Area on April 19th for the Alamo E4 show, you can come hang out with me and I can scare the crap out of you as to why IoT is a terrible idea.
0: Yeah, I, I will not be there, but I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, Mr. Harris, thank you, sir. I appreciate it as always. Thank you. And how do people find you and or Aurora Multimedia?
2: Uh, They just go to www.auroramm.com, and if you do need me, call in, ask for Paul. I purposely do not hire anybody with the name of Paul, so that way you can just ask for Paul.
0: I never knew that. you got to love that one. I never, because I still ask for Paul Harris when I call, and I guess, you know, I feel silly now.
2: You know, it's funny, but no no matter how many people we hire in this company, for some reason, we just never get Pauls across the company. Uh, It's always a mic.
3: Yeah, oh no. my god! You have that problem too. <laughs> well, yeah, like let's be still. honest.
0: We're an AV. We always have too many mics. All right, uh, there it is. There attach. you go. I'll be here all week. What um, up, bum? you drink minimum for yes. him. Yes. Uh, thank you guys so much. Seriously, uh, we will have the links to all of our guests and and all the stories on the show. Also, wanted to t- take a moment to thank our underwriters. Uh, they make what we do possible. Uh, I will not be with Mr. Strago. Because I'm going to be in the Philly and D.C. area uh, April 18th through the 20th uh, with Simcoe. So April 18th, I'll be in Philadelphia uh, with the Simcoe event there. And then I, I guess I get a, a day to drive and or fly uh, to D.C. Uh, on April 20th. So uh, we'll have a, a page up for that. We'll have a link to the page up for that on, on this show as well. Uh, and then two weeks later, I'll be in Chicago with our friends over at ABI Systems May 4th at Soldier Freaking Field. Thank you very much. Well at least somebody might win something there for. A while. <laughs> hey, a I team, was waiting for that. A team wins consistently, at least eight times a year at, at Soldier Field. It's not not always the Bears, but somebody wins at Soldier Field at least eight times a year. Well, if ABI is giving away any prizes, maybe a hometown person can finally win. Well, they are. They are. They they have tons of prizes throughout the week. And actually, I will be scaring people in much the same vein that Josh is scaring people at the ABI system talking about IoT. So check that out if you would, please. Uh, Also... um, uh, the website avi uh, avi systems. Good lord, Uh tv That's where you'll find this show's page, as well as a host of others. Check it out. Uh, a lot a lot of people uh, worked an awful lot on making our brand new site, so check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, not for nothing, let us know if something doesn't work. You know, shoot uh, shoot us a note and say, hey, this is this is broken over here. So check that out. Avnation Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been Av Week.
2: I